I'm excited to introduce Daryl Watley. Many of you know Daryl as he's preached in our pulpit before. He is a missionary, a campus minister who serves with our denomination at Delaware State University down in Dover. And so we're excited to have him open God's word for us to preach God's word to us this morning. Well, good morning, Faith Church. It's a blessing to be here again. Uh, We're going to be reading from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. If you haven't been there in a while, it's kind of in the middle of your Bible. Um, If you want to stand, we're going to read from the English Standard Version. And we're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to go all the way in there, all right? All 18 verses. And the the word of the Lord reads, And all the people gathered into the square as one man before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shammah, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his right hand, Padiah, Mashael, Melchizedek, Hashum, Hashbadadah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their heads, their their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And also Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita. Azariah, Josabad, Hadar, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to the people, this day is holy to the Lord, do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and the portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra, the scribe, in order to study the words of the law. And they found in it written in the law that the Lord had commanded to Moses that the people should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm and other leafy trees. Make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God, in the square at the water gate, in the square at the gate of Ephraim 
And all the assembly of those who returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths for the days of from the day for from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to the days of the people of Israel had not done so. And there was a very great rejoicing, and day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read the book of the law of God. They kept the feast of seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. This is the word of God. And thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, I thank you for just today, Lord. I thank you for the reading of the word, Lord, the blessing that it is to gather here as one people, man and woman and child, all who can understand, to hear your word, to hear what you are doing through your word in this world, in this, in this state, in this country, and in this world. And Father, I pray that you would give illumination to the hearing of the word, Lord, that you would uh, give wisdom to our hearts and allow us to grow closer to you and be more like your son. And in Christ's name I pray, amen. So it's a great time to be here because it seems as though there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I'm sure some of you have gotten your vaccines and are feeling invincible in the world. Um, but, you know, we're here. This is Missions Week. We've been going through this series. And uh, Kevin and I, and I have been talking about this for some time. Um, and it's, it's, it's a strange time. It's a strange time uh, in church. It's a strange time in campus ministry. Uh, but this is my seventh year at Delaware State University. Um, some of y'all can be, uh, remember when I first got here, I was a single guy. I was a little bit slimmer. Um, you know, it was, it was different times. I didn't have any kids. My family is going to be here a little bit later for the second service. Uh, but things were very different. You know, when I moved here from Atlanta in 2014, I really didn't know what to expect, but God has been so good and so gracious. I met my wife here. I got ordained here. We just had our second child. And we, I've had an opportunity to preach the, the gospel to thousands of young people at Delaware State University. Um, if you don't know about Delaware State University, Delaware State University is in Dover, our capital, and it's a historically black college. Um, RUF is a national ministry. Uh, we have over 200 ministries all across the world. Uh, we just started another ministry uh, through this presbytery in Senegal, uh, through Jim Weaver and some of our other brothers uh, and sisters here in this denomination. And uh, we've started ministries in uh, Australia, Colombia. Uh, we've got works, new works coming up in Mexico and uh, looking to start things in Brazil, in the UK. Uh, God has really blessed um, the ministry of RUF. And probably most exciting, um, at least to me, maybe I'm a little bit biased, is that we now have six ministries at historically black colleges um, out of the hundred or so historically black colleges uh, in the United States. Uh, when I first started, there was three, and we've doubled that number. And, you know, I'm not a statistics master, but doubling something is always a good thing. Uh, we just started a ministry at Howard University, at North Carolina Central, at Winston-Salem University. Uh, we've just rebooted our ministry at Alabama State University. We have a ministry at Jackson State University. We're looking to start new ministries at historically black colleges. And I've become the young guy, I've, I've come from being the young guy to the old guy in historically black college ministries uh, in RUF. And it's been a wonderful thing that you guys have been an enormous part of that endeavor. Um, you know, throughout this seven years, you guys have been one of my uh, biggest supporters financially and also just through prayer and support. 
just little things like buying us new worship equipment like you guys did for us uh, this past winter has really been great. Uh, being able to not use things that have floppy drive, drives attached to them um, and that were probably older than most of my students. Um, I joke with my students that I, I literally have shoes older than them now. And uh, now I joke with them that our worship equipment was older than most of them as well. So thank you for getting us out of the 1990s and bringing us into uh, this new millennium with that. Um, while I visited faith many times, this is actually, I believe, my first, you know, formal, like real missions update. Um, so I, if you were expecting like a full, I would love to preach every little word of this text. It's really one of my favorite texts in the Bible, but I really kind of want to present it as kind of a guide of what we're talking about today. Um, this is more of like a missions exp, uh, update rather than a, a true expositional sermon. Um, but I've been here in Delaware seven years, and I'm going to tell you, I would have much rather have given this update in February of 2020. It's been a wild year. It's been a wild year for ministries all over the world, but it's particularly been a wild year uh, for campus ministries. Um, many of, of, of those historically black colleges and many of our um, campus ministries all around the country and around the world have really not been able to do ministry on the campus. Um, our ministry down at the University of Delaware, they were not even able to meet with students off of campus. I don't know how you enforce that, but even it appears that even a few uh, campus organizations were removed from campus for meeting with students, not even on the campus. So things have been difficult. Things, things have been, uh, it's been kind of a new frontier. We've been having to learn how to do ministry in a lot of ways. If I look back in February of 2020, we had just came from, uh, we had started doing a ski retreat um, two years ago. And every year that retreat has grown. Last year in February of 2020, we had 15 students on that ski retreat. And uh, we had a blast. We had a ball. We had no idea what was coming our way. Uh, we had just had like this big men's outing. Uh, we were bowling and having a good time. Um, our room every Friday night was packed and full. Uh, we were looking to find a new room on campus because we had kind of outgrown uh, the place where we had been meeting for the five years previous. Um, things, were, things were great. I mean, things were, things were fantastic. We had a great student leadership group. Uh, we still have many of these things, but it was just different. It was just different. The picture was different. Um, the whole outlook was different. And I can remember in March of last year, um, if you guys know Will Stern, I went and I preached with Will, for Will Stern up at Hope Church, one of your plants, and I uh, hung out with Will for a little while. We didn't have masks. I didn't know what masks were. I didn't own a mask. Uh, we were in his house, having a good time, enjoying ourselves. My little girl was getting out, uh, was outside playing in their playground at their church, and uh, life was normal. Um, but by that next Monday, by that very next day, uh, my students were on spring break, and they were notified that they should not come back to school. And it was really strange. It was like, okay, what do we do now? You know, how are we supposed to do campus ministry when there's literally no one on campus. And there was a scramble, there was a, a big, you know, kind of upheaval on what we should do and how we should do it. Should we do anything at all? Like, how do we do campus ministry in a new way? You know, we were in a really, really good groove. Like, after seven years, you kind of start developing a, a schedule of events and you know what's gonna happen. In February, we're gonna go skiing. 
in September, we're going to go to D.C. and go to the Black History Museum. We're going to go to the Bible Museum. We're going to have our fall conference. We're going to have our summer conference. We're going to do all of these things, and they had just become routine and normal. And in 2020, all of those things got blasted and thrown out of the way. We had to change. You know, our, 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 our students never came back that semester. And it, I don't believe in purgatory. But I felt like for that spring and that summer, if, you know, if I did believe that was it, that it was like you were just in a holding place. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know how long you were going to be there. It was a very difficult place to be in. You know, as we reopened this past fall, um, Delaware State University reopened. There were all these restrictions and guidelines. Um, you had to get tested twice a week. I had to get tested um, twice a week to even be on campus. I had to submit the test to the school. And even then, I still couldn't get on campus. I was literally parking about a mile away from school and walking <laughs> all the way to campus. Um, my, my cardio didn't get any better, unfortunately. But I was walking to campus every day. It was crazy. I was so used to just driving on campus and parking wherever I wanted and saying hi to people and uh, going to Chick-fil-A on campus and meeting students. Um, but it was a totally di different atmosphere. Um, our freshman outreach was a lot more difficult. Um, not only did students not want the Kool-Aid that I was passing out, but they were actually afraid to touch it. <laughs> they were afraid to come within six feet of me. Uh, when I invited them to Bible study, they said, no, I don't want to go to Bible study right now because I don't want to get COVID and all that kind of stuff. Where normally we were greeted with, you know, kind of, you know, just smiles and, and uh, interest. It was just a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear on campus. Uh, the school was at about 50% capacity. Um, about two-thirds of my students had elected to stay home, uh, which kind of translated to basically there were no upperclassmen on campus. Um, there was no upperclassmen. Um, basically, all the students on campus were freshmen. And that can be a really good thing or a really scary thing when you got nothing but first-year students all in one place with nobody to kind of balance things out. Um, it, was, it was just different. And by that time, my students had started to kind of get the, the Zoom fatigue. They had started burning out from Zoom. Um, they they, they kind of was like, man, you know, Pastor, I just, I'm just tired of this. I'm just tired of this COVID stuff. I'm worn out from it. I just want things to go back to normal. But on top of that, last semester, DSU made an enormous announcement. Um, they, they made an announcement that they were actually going to purchase Wesley College, which is the other college in Dover, and that they were going to acquire the school and become one school. So this campus that I really, I had, I had DSU figured out. I, I know more about DSU than most students know. When we're going, walking through campus, we'll be walking through campus and I'll be going through a door and they're like, Pastor, I've never been through that door before. I'm like, well, come on with me. I'm going to show you what's behind it. And then, you know, there's some times where I would go and eat with a student or meet with a student on campus, and they'd be, I'd be like, hey, we're going to meet right here. And they're like, Pastor, I've never eaten there before. I'm like, well, you're going to meet here today. I had DSU figured out. But now DSU is going to be, uh, in June, it's going to be twice as big, and the student population is going to grow by about 25%. DSU is going to be a different school. And it was at that point where I realized that we were going to have to go through 
Not a, you know when you're, I'm a computer guy. I actually worked in television for a long time before I became a pastor. I love computers. I build computers. If you need it, I'll fix your computer. Like next time I'm here, just bring it, okay? I'll fix it. But I hate rebooting my computer. I actually, my success as a computer guy is gauged on how long I can go without rebooting my computer. Like, you can actually see how many days you're, I leave my computer on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it is on. And there's a little note there that tells you just how long it's been on. If I can go three or four months without a reboot, I'm doing my job. Like, no crashes, nothing like that. I realize that we had to go through a complete reboot. We could not think about ministry the same way we had thought about ministry at DSU in the previous six years because the students were not the same students. The administration was not the same administration. The culture has changed. And now the campus itself is changing. The dynamics of everything we were doing at DSU was going to have to change for good. And, you know, as we look at this text today, Israel is going through a complete and total reboot. They're not the same Israel they were before the exile. This is a different Israel because they have to be a different Israel. But unfortunately, humans, me, you, little kids, old people, young people, we don't like. To be rebooted. The worst thing I can imagine in life is having to move again. How many of you, that's, you know, some people say public speaking is the, is, the, is the number one fear in your life. Moving is the number one fear of my life. I hate it. We don't like to be rebooted. But here's the thing. Sometimes God wants us to start over. And if we rely on the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us through, we can thrive in these times of upheaval. I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't even say it would be fun. But in the end, if we rely on the power of Jesus, if we have faith in the power of Jesus, in the wisdom of God, in the providence of God, we can make it through these difficult times. Our text today tells the story of when God had to hit the reboot switch for his people and it gives us insight about what is needed to come out of that reboot as a stronger and more focused church. Like I said, I wish I had time to kind of go through this text step by step. We're going to kind of take some broad strokes and just think about how this relates to where we are and even where I am and where my students are as a ministry and as a people. The first thing we see in verses one through nine is that we need to reboot with God's word. We need to reboot with God's word. I told you I'm a computer guy. And the scariest thing to me as a computer guy is the new update. I am always the last person to take the new update on my phone, on my computer, because I know nine times out of ten, that new update is probably going to be more buggy than the old update. 
But with every new update, there are still aspects of the old system that are there. And as we go through this reboot, the main thing we need to hold on to, they, they call it the kernel in, in, in computer terms, the kernel of who we are is God's word. It's what makes us who we are. It's what makes us a church. It's what brings us together. It's what makes us a family. It's what makes us a community. Nehemiah 8 has become one of my favorite passages of scripture because it demonstrates that so clearly. When they are rebooting Israel, the first thing they start with of all the things they could have started with is God's word. In my opinion, this story is right up there with the Exodus narrative. It's right up there with the Christmas story. This is a big narrative in scripture. It should sound so familiar to us because it sets the tone of who we are, of what we do in worship and what worship, the, the effects of worship should be. The Jews were obliterated in exile and yet God in his providence had brought these people back from the dead and made them into a nation once again. In Nehemiah, we see the completion of the temple we see the completion of the walls and they conduct a ceremony, a worship service that is completely centered around God's word. Not only did Ezra read God's word, but there was also an army of scribes that was dedicated to teaching the individual people, the families, the leaders, what God's word meant. It said that everyone who could understand was there for the reading of God's word. The God, God's word is not just for the men. God's word is not just for the women. But God's word is for the old, the young, the poor. God's word is for white people, black people, Latino people. It's for all types of people. Anyone who can understand God's word should have God's word read to them. As we've navigated this pandemic, it has been God's word that has sustained us at DSU. All the fun things that we normally do, we have ice cream day and free coffee night and free Panera night and free Starbucks night. We do all, we have, you know, one of the most painful things that we didn't get a chance to do this year was unlimited all you can eat IHOP pancakes. I look forward to that every year. I love it, the students love it, we roll in IHOP. There's about 30 of us, and we eat pancakes until we drop. <laughs> Couldn't do it this year. It was sad. It was just, you know, I had all this stuff on our reoccurring calendar, and as I was just crossing it off, I was just depressed. I said, no pancakes, no cold stone. What, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to read God's word. We're supposed to be in God's word. When all else fails, when there's nothing else to do, that is what we always should start with and that is what we always should go back to. We didn't have a Super Bowl party. Every year I've been there, we've had a Super Bowl party. I begged my students, I said, please come over to my house and have a Super Bowl party. They said, we don't want to get sick, Pastor. We can't do it. Begged them. Didn't do it. 
I said, please, let's do something for Christmas. We got to have some kind of Christmas gathering. They said, well, maybe we can try to do something online. And I was just depressed. It was sad. But what we didn't neglect was God's word. You know, probably of all the interesting things in this passage, probably the most visually interesting thing in this passage is the building of the pulpit. You know, we didn't just make this up. We don't just have this here because preachers just like it. So we can have something to hide behind just in case you want to throw something at us. It's actually in the Bible. But this is really the first time we see an edifice like this constructed. Nobody really knows. Of course, this isn't the first like speaking platform ever constructed. But it's really the first time we see it done like this in Scripture. You know, because... They had spent so much time in Jerusalem, which is really kind of a mountainous and hilly place. Uh, as you go through the gospel, uh, Jesus is always speaking on, on, a, on a hill or a mountain. It's easy to, to speak to hundreds or thousands of people when you got mountains everywhere. But when you live in lower, slower Delaware, it's really hard to speak to a lot of people when things are flat. They had just left Babylon, this really kind of flat place. So maybe this is something that they picked up but they've, they've adopted this new kind of do, way of doing things and it's enormously effective. Everyone can see Ezra as he reads the word. And as we've gone through this whole thing, this whole Zoom thing that I never thought would be a big deal has become a huge deal and it has, it has become a very effective way to host our small groups. I never would have thought that during the pandemic we would have the most healthy and strong small groups we've ever had. It just makes it easy. A student can come. They might even not even turn on their camera, but sometimes they do turn on their camera and they've got their bonnets on and they've got, you know, <laughs> all their pajamas on and stuff like that, but they're there. And praise God for that. The modern church has learned a lot in this pandemic. And uh, many of you know Pastor Seda, and I joked with him, I said, you know, all preachers have become televangelists in 2020. Every one of us. We used to laugh and joke about televangelists, and now we, we are one. I got a camera right in front of me. How about that, right? New technology like Zoom has led us to having not only the best small groups we've ever had, but the best student-led small groups we've ever had. Right now, I have a young lady who's leading our women's group. She's a junior at DSU. And she has more people in her small group than I do in mine. I, I, I am not going to lie, I was a little bit jealous. Every week, she's got 15, 16, 20 girls in her small group. And they're growing. They're developing community. They're becoming friends. They're getting closer to Jesus. They're learning God's word. What new ways has faith discovered to teach people about God's word in this reboot? Last time I was here, this young man wasn't sitting right there. I'm sure you guys have developed many new ways of reaching people with God's word. As we come out of this pandemic, we should not forget about the new tools that God has given us in this re reboot. You know, every time... We get those updates on our computer. Sometimes they're just not fluff. 
Sometimes they're not bug fixes. Sometimes they're new features that they've put into the software to try to make our lives more easy and simple. Sometimes it takes us a while to figure out how to use them. I've been trying to figure out, like I said, I, I, I worked in TV for 10 years. And I would say probably just two weeks ago, I really got the Zoom thing figured out. Like, I got it down now. It may take a while. It may be a lot of growing pains. But God is doing this for our good. The ne- next thing we see, not only do we need to reboot with God word, God's word, we need to reboot with holy fellowship in verses 10 through 12. Now, this is one of the most funny verses to me. Maybe I've just got a strange sense of humor. But these 10, 10 through 12 is just funny to me. He says this. When, they, when Ezra read God word, God's word, the people started crying. Because they saw, they saw their sin in God's word, right? That's what God's word is supposed to do, is to show us how much we need Jesus. How far we fall short of God's standard of perfection and how only Jesus, how only salvation in Christ can bring us to that. And they started crying. But the Levites come and they say, stop, 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 stop. Don't cry. Don't weep. This is what I want you to do. Go home. Get some wine. Get some good ribs, some good meat, and have a party. Stop crying. We've been doing a lot of crying in this pandemic. Maybe some of y'all are lost people. My wife, she lost her grandfather. One of my good friends lost his twin brother. We've lost a lot. You know, one of the saddest things about this for this whole thing is that, I, you know, because of the nature of, of being at an HBCU, a lot of my students aren't, aren't coming back. Financially, this has wiped them out. They can't afford to come back. They may want to come back, but they've got, maybe they lost a father or somebody who was supplying their needs, and they need to stay home and help pay the bills. There's a lot of students that are not coming back. There's been a lot to cry about, but God is telling us, though God's word is telling us, we need to rejoice. We need to be with one another. Perhaps the most beautiful picture in this is that the scribes instruct the people that as they go back home, if they encounter somebody who doesn't have any wine, if they encounter somebody who doesn't have any meat, doesn't have a meal to have a feast, that they need to provide that for them. We need to find new ways to love people. You know, one of the big things that we've done for our students, just this past week, we had six or seven students in quarantine on campus. There's actually a dorm That is the quarantine dorm. If you've been exposed or if you've tested positive for COVID, you have to live in that dorm for two weeks or you got to go home. Many of our students don't have anywhere to go to go home in quarantine. So they're forced to live in this dorm for two weeks. They can't have any contact with anybody. They can't come out of their rooms. And from what I hear, the food is absolutely horrible. So one of the things that we've done as a ministry is actually provide good meals. We'll text that student and we'll just say, hey, man, look, tell me what you want. And we're going to bring you some food. 
I had a student that said, look, pastor, I don't really want no food, but all I really want is a shamrock shake from McDonald's. Two of them. And you know how McDonald's is. You go to McDonald's, the shake machine isn't working, sir. I'm sorry. I literally went to three McDonald's in Dover to find a shake machine that was working. You have to go out of your way to love people. I had another student. I said, hey, man, you can get whatever you want. Olive Garden, whatever. Red Lobster. He said, Pastor, all I want is a hamburger from McDonald's. That's all I want. And a Coke and some fries. That's all I want. I went and brought their brother some Coke and fries. And he, the, the look that he had on his face, the sound of his voice, he was just floored. He said, Pastor, this is right on time. This is exactly what I needed because it's been terrible up there. We need to find new ways to love people. And this quarantine, this pandemic has provided that for the church. We need to go out of our way to love people who are forgotten. We need to take that next step. We can't, I couldn't wait for these guys to, to come to me in quarantine and say, hey, pastor, do you want to get some lunch? I had to go to them. And I even told my students, I said, if you know anyone in quarantine that needs a meal, send me the receipt and I will reimburse you for that meal that you give them. And they were so excited to do that. We need to go out of our way to love people. The last thing we see is this. The last verses, and these are kind of, these are kind of, if, if you're preaching and you only got a certain amount of verses that you can go through, my time is limited. I know we got to get to the next service, right? We're about to wrap this thing up. These are the verses that you don't preach because where you want to end, you want to end with the joy of the Lord is our strength. Close the Bible. But these are important verses because this is where everything comes together. We have the priests coming and teaching the men of, the, of their homes what the word says. And they come across this random kind of strange piece that later in the text says that nobody has ever done from the time of Joshua all the way to now. Nobody's ever done this random thing in the Bible. But they said today we're going to do it. Today, we're going to do it. We're going to do this Feast of Booths, this random kind of weird, strange thing, and we're going to have a blast. So they do it. This has been the story of our semester. Every weird thing that I thought was just too weird to do at DSU, I said, you know what? We're going to do it this year. What do we got to lose? We met outside almost all last semester, and we had a blast. Every Friday, I thought it was going to rain, and it never rained. There was one week, I kid you not, I promise you, I got pictures. We were about to cancel this thing. It was raining so hard. Me and my intern, we were going to campus, and it just started pouring, and we said, it's over, man. There's no way this is going to happen this week. We were almost at my house, and we see a double rainbow in the sky. And it cleared up. And we had the most fantastic worship meeting outside that Friday. We came back home after worship. Story's not over. And we see a shooting star, the brightest, craziest shooting star you've ever seen as we're unpacking my truck that night. 
And we were just like, wow, look at what God has done when we thought that this was never going to work. We had sunrise prayer meetings. Now, that sounds normal in a normal church, but asking college students to get up at sunrise and pray, oh, no, you don't do that. There's been semesters where I've literally sat in cafeterias and waited for students to do Bible study in the morning for breakfast, and I never had anybody. But this semester, we had sunrise prayer, and students came. It was incredible. We had bonfires. Fantastic. Many of my students never had a bonfire before. They didn't know what a bonfire was. Most of them had never chopped wood before. I had all my guys come early and chop the wood for me. I said, I'm not doing it. You can do it. It was an incredible semester filled with crazy things that we've never done, but we're going to start doing them from now on. On top of that, the room that we've been meeting in for six or seven years, it was closed for construction. You know, everybody's doing their remodeling now that nobody's in the rooms that they're remodeling. So we had to find a new place to worship once it got too cold. And we started meeting in the science building, and, and the Lord just made it work. Our faith gives us the freedom to not be bound by the fear of failure. Faith Church, you need to go out there and do something crazy. Don't hurt anybody. Have faith that God is going to see it through. Do something bold. Discover people with new talents. Pioneer new ways to do ministry as we all go through this reboot. There are some things that we got to bring back. We got to bring back in-person worship. We want this place to be full in the mornings. We want it to be full at 11 o'clock. We are to be here just as God's people in this passage were together worshiping God as one person. But there's some things that we don't need to go back to. There's some things in this reboot, you know, every time Windows reboots, it also dumps some stuff that used to be kind of, you know, you can't run your 1991 programs in Windows anymore. You know, Apple did this thing where they went to 64-bit and they dumped all of their 32-bit programs. You can't run all them programs anymore. You got to do the new thing. We need to go and go with where God is going and go with this reboot. As I think about this passage, I can't think about Acts 2 where we see God's people in God's word, in fellowship with one another. And as a result of that, they have an enormous impact on the world. Today, I want to pray that faith would be in God's word, would be with one another, and that alongside us at DSU, we would go and have an enormous impact in this world. Let's pray. Father, I... I thank you that even as we are in this reboot, Lord, we look forward and we look back. We look back to what Christ has done on the cross, who has rebooted our lives, who's taken away our sins and given us new life and new hope. And we look forward to the day where Christ comes again and reboots this world and makes heaven and earth one place. Father, I pray that we would look forward to that day and we would embrace what God is doing and the change that is coming about in his providence.
And in Christ's name I pray, amen.